Oh, hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show, starring the one and only Ramon Foster and brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they're always open for business serving hot, fresh food. Hi, Moan. What's going on, DK? Nice, nice shirt you got on there, bud. Yeah, yeah snazzy. I get home from the uh, the baseball trip to Milwaukee, and uh, I get here, and I have put on some... This is kind of like a 49ers-ish color, wouldn't you say? Well, I know what. They are fire hot in the news cycle right now. They sure are. Let's talk about Debo Samuel technically, I guess, being on the market. Because when you demand a trade... Uh, you know the 49ers put out something afterward we're like we are we have no intention whatsoever of trading well you have to say that you have to make it look really tough because you've just lost all your leverage yeah but my goodness what a scenario what a football player oh what a hell of a football oh. player dk like we got to put some respect on his name yeah. he's he operates on the football field like debo from friday Okay. Or Debo from the Steelers, but on the other side of the ball. Yeah, that dude too. He operates like him, like Debo, James Harrison, um, or Tiny List, uh, Tiny Zeus Lister. However you say his last name, R.I.P. to him, by the way. Uh, but what we're witnessing though is um the power of the wide receiver taking over in the same respects that we've seen the quarterbacks make plays like this. Um, and it's so interesting that we're talking about this. We had a guy from Pro Football Focus on. My uh, on my show here in Nashville, and I, I asked him. I love know, the apologetic tone. Yeah, that was know, great, though. Yeah. That you had a PFF guy on your show, and you're I like, know, "Yeah, I had a PFF guy." On they're, the show. They're, they're good for for the analytics and just to break. I think the, the, okay. the what do they call it? The macro aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. It gives points to it. It gives. They, they try very hard. They yes. try to do that, yes. and um. When they they look at film so much, I guess, and just just you know just consider what's what in the league and give the fans talking points. I asked them. I said, "What what is what is the pecking order now when it comes down to when it comes down to uh, football teams? It's like quarterback and Dan who he goes wide receiver. He's like we may be getting in the era of when it comes down to setting lines for, for people that that bet on games and stuff like that. What's the line for the week? You know, you guys plus four, or minus four, whatever the case may be." No, no position moves the needle like quarterback does. If a starting quarterback is out, I think most teams lose like four plus points when it comes to the spread. You know, if, if not more, depending if on not the more, yeah, yeah. If not the outcome overall, yeah. But it's really the only position that moves the needle or moves the line when it comes down to it. Where I feel like about to get to a point where wide receivers' effects on the game is about to take off to that level too, simply because seven on seven. You know, the college evolution of the passing game and now the NFL aspect of it, too, to where it's also translated to where we send quarterbacks getting 40 million dollars. I remember when Ben got like 27 a year or something. We're we're not even in that ballpark. No, 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 no. no. Wide receivers are getting that now. You know what I'm saying? So I think the importance of that position is about to go through the roof more than we ever thought. And and Debo is a prime example of it. Well, he he is. He also brings other tools to the kit i mean he's it, it's one thing for tyree kill to get the you know the, the kind of money that he just did yeah uh, everybody knows what he can do how dangerous he is and he might be one of those guys who moves the line uh, the way you just described but with with debo samuel he also has lined up at running back mm-hmm. he, he had uh, almost 60 carries last year for the niners and this is this is a guy who can do some things. Yeah. <laughs> um and, and and it's it's funny 
you know, to to think back to Le'Veon Bell, and you know, he tweeted out uh, just a little bit ago that you know if he had to do it all over again, he would have just been a wide receiver. What? Yeah, well, because he got to what you're talking about here. Yeah, he was put into a running back category, and if you remember, part of his absurd negotiation with the Steelers was that he demanded to be paid what both get. Yeah, remember. And it's it's hard to do that simply because if you're a master of everything, what what is it? You're you're uh, jack of all jack trades. of all trades, master of none. Yeah. And you know, I think Debo's he, coming. He was a master running back. <laughs> yeah, he was okay. a master yeah, running back. He was right. damn good at it. Okay. Yeah. And and uh, you've also seen this. Shanahan's kind of come out, and there's been rumors of saying, you know what, Debo, you say what you want to, but we kind of cultivated this offense to fit you also. Yeah. Nobody else is going to put you at the running back position and nobody else is going to get you the ball the way we did. And they they kind of pretty much said, we made you this way. And you know what, DK? Fair or unfair, they're supposed to say that. You know what I'm saying? As, as far as the importance of the player to the negotiation. Negotiations are nasty, filthy. Just as great as you are during the season, when it comes time to go, go into business, you're not that great. Right, but there's not a negotiation, and that's part of the thing here because he's got a contract. Yeah, and this is where the story becomes fascinating. Is according to a couple of reports, and again, not according to 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 Debo Samuel himself, his reason for wanting out is plain and simple geography. He's from South Carolina. <laughs> he doesn't feel like he fits in on the West Coast. Uh, Santa Clara. It's hard to describe how Santa Clara, California, is nowhere near. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's really not all that near San Jose. It's just kind of in between land, and I using the term advisedly, land that the mm-hmm. 49ers uh, bought for their new facility. And it's uh, it could be anything, Moan. It could be. It could be. But DK. but he could, he can call his shot. <clears throat> so he can call his shot. <clears throat> and uh, th- what did we speak about? It had to have been last week. What was the one place I told you I didn't want to play it unless it was Seattle? Oh, you did say that. West Coast. The West Coast. And, and, and truth be told to you, unless you're getting paid astronomically and you know you can last and make an amount of money like that, i.e. Matthew Stafford, Andrew Whitworth's done pretty good. Um, the taxes and the money that you're bringing home, it would be Tyreek is going to crush it. Because he's in Florida, where it's no state income tax. And just in general, New York and California. Oh, here we go. The taxes, DK, it matters the amount of money. The $90 million to himself, it, it's a lot of money if he gets that guarantee. Whatever the is going to be, California state tax, incidentally, is 13%. It's very high. So I, I actually pulled up something, too, for this show, and I was just figuring out, okay, what, what is the, 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 the amount of money that you're going to bring home? There's going to be a lot of people that say, no matter what you're still bringing home something and i'm just looking at the amount of taxes that's being brought home from a 10 million dollar salary a year in california and it it breaks down to at the end of the month like 194 you're you're basically bringing home you're giving away 46 percent of your check not on top of that is the agent fees day-to-day living so you may have $10 $10 million a year, $194 month is what you're bringing in. Now, I know you're going to say that's a whole lot of money, but that's twice as much if you go to Florida or Tennessee or Texas, you know, or Carolina where he's for from. For the same work. For the, for the same, same work. For the same work. everything. And he's playing a position or they're putting him in a position where he plays running back to where he's being hit a lot more. 
He's being. Oh, uh, you think this could be positional too? It's definitely positional. I mean, you okay. just said what Le'Veon just said. Had he done anything, he'd have probably changed positions. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's very interesting to hear him kind of say location matters. And most people think I want to be in California. No, you do until you got to think about your future. Now, all anybody wants to know, Moan, here is he coming to the Steelers or not? <laughs> here we go. Here we go. So, uh, uh, and I, well, you, you're getting you one problem. That I'm going to look up his contract. All right, you, you you're, you're trading out one guy for the other. I don't why would know you about trade, that. Why would I, you trade Deontay, who's in the same position as Debo, as far as contract goes? Because so you mean to tell me you was that? Yeah, they are, but that means you got to pay a higher price. Okay, they have money. All right, there we go. Um, so, matter of fact, let me correct myself. You bring home forty six percent of your check. You don't necessarily uh, pay for You're actually paying 50.97 plus on top of everything else. It's pretty insane, DK, the amount of taxes you're going to pay in California. But yeah. being from the South, South Carolina, like Debo Samuels, I don't I, I, I see him weighing that for sure. Yeah, he's still operating here, uh, uh, looking at this thing here. He, he said a, he's still on his it's not entry level, but it's. You know his original contract. He's not through the roof here by any stretch of the imagination. So this this might be some kind of just big money ploy. It could be. It always you know? is. DK. I mean his his base salary for twenty twenty two is three point nine million. That's yeah, three point nine. That's not much for somebody who's impacting your offense and your t- football team the way that he is. So this whole thing might be a a great big ploy that I don't want to live in. You know. Either way, he's leveraging himself and the 49ers are doing the same. And at some point, they may actually come down to a deal or you're going to have to give up the house to trade he's not, for Debo Samuel. He's, yeah, he's not coming to Pittsburgh. No. Uh, the, the other thing that factors into this is that – and, and the, the Steelers have made their position, for anybody who's even curiously entertaining this thing, uh, the Steelers have made their position very clear that they don't want to give up assets. They don't want – meaning, meaning – Draft picks and so forth. They just don't want to do that. And and this player is 26 years old, and he's you know he's at a position that's got some wear and tear to it. So yeah. sorry. And he's had a little bit of injuries here and there. Mm-hmm. Well, the way he plays, that's understandable. But yeah, that's that's there's there's some miles on there. Anyway, yeah. that was fun. It was, man. And I calculated <laughs> it also. His 3.9 million. Yeah. In California. He's going to bring home $926,000. I knew you would do that. You're Think the money guy. That. You're 3. definitely. 3.9 to 900 grand. When we come back, we're a week out from the draft. And Moan's going to give you the definitive, the definitive pick. Or maybe you're, we're just going to wing it. As to who the Steelers are going to take at number 28. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It's a week out. From the NFL draft and Moan, take it away. Roger Goodell will be hugging who at number 20 overall? Malik Willis, Pittsburgh Steelers. It really, it, it's just that, isn't it? It does. Uh, I, again, we don't know what they're going to do if Malik gets selected earlier. Um, but if we're around pick 16, 17 and he isn't picked, it's the same way I, I knew we were going to get Marquise when he came up, the same way I knew we were going to get Dave when he came up, the same way just you knew who they were, Devin. <laughs> he, 
you knew they were getting one of the two Devons. They were going to get Devin White or they were going to get Devin Bush. And Devin White was gone and was like, well, we need a linebacker at this position. And Devin, uh, Devin was with us at that point, man. So Malik seems to be the guy. He he seems to be the guy. And, I, and, and, and I'm just like, well, why not? At this point, they've always done this type of thing when it comes down to the draft. Who cares what you're going to do? But the other part of it is, is the moves that's been made right now. As far as them hiring a coach, them also just getting a position to say, all right, our move is being made. I think that's their one move. When we spoke about Debo Samuel a second ago, I think now other teams are starting to position and jockey. You know, I, I think you have Philly. I think you have the Jets trying to find a way to get into the move, get into the, the works of what's going on to the Saints, maybe. You know, so this is where we start to take off where the real business of the NFL is about to kick up. I say by Monday or maybe even Friday. It's usually the news dump day. You know, Friday to Monday, I think, is what this traction is going to pick up because I don't know if there's ever been any NFL draft where there weren't at least two or three trades at, at some point in time. And now that you got teams now with multiple draft picks, too, in the first round, why would you not position yourself to get a better team? OK, I'll give you this first round and just give me this player, that player and this. You know, it's, it's the business take care of itself the closer and closer we get to get uh, to the draft night. Yeah, that's that. that's the part where this becomes impossible to predict because we don't know what's happening in front offices. And it amazes me that people who make mock drafts actually try to incorporate trades, which is the nuttiest thing. It's even more nuts when they nail it, of course, (laughs) but they say, wow, really? You even got the team, right? Yeah. I mean, you understand there's addressing needs and everything else here. I guess the part that fascinates me, about the Steelers' approach to this specifically is what you just said about the two Devons. And it was pretty much presumed if Devin White's gone, Devin Bush is going to be your guy yeah. or vice versa, okay? But do you take that approach at quarterback this year? In other words, because I've, I've started to hear some of that now too. Yeah, yep. Which is that, well, all right, if they don't take Malik Willis, they're going to take Desmond Ritter. Okay, really? Uh. Are you really putting a first-round pick on him? Or are you saying if we don't take... Malik Willis in the first round, we will hope like crazy that Desmond Ritter falls to the second round. Yeah, okay. And, and, and then you take someone else in the first wide receiver, or you, you know, I had to throw that in. Yeah, no, no, no absolutely. But, 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 but that, that's what I'm talking about. Do you, do you get so stubborn about that approach or so determined to not put a yeah. negative on it that we just have to have this position. We just have to have this, you know? I, I will say this. I, that That is the one fallback. I think it's Malika nobody at that point as far as quarterback goes. Do I they like, think that, yes. though? Yes. I, no? I would think so, 100%. Okay. I would think so because there's, there's still round. moves to be made. First yeah. round, at least. Um, I like Desmond Ritter. And, and truth be told, he's, aside from Pickett, aside from, from uh, Willis, I'd put Desmond Ritter above everybody else at that point. My thing is, is just how far can he take you? I think Malik Willis can take you further than any other quarterback in this draft. But I also do know this, so I found this out too, is Matt Rule has a relationship with uh, Kenny Pickett and was actually going to go play for Matt Rule before he ended up taking the job at Baylor. So there is a link between those two already. I was told by this by uh, Mike Detillier. You know, there was a relationship between those two. He was committed to him before he left and went to Baylor. So that's that connection and why I think people can tie him to Carolina. Again, when you get into those rooms and everybody got to say so on who you need to take or what's better for your team, that's where you got to say, well, what if they take Malik instead? And at that point, I say we go at next next uh, best available. 
And and if it's a wide receiver, you take one. We don't know how this Deontay thing is going to take off. Yeah, you don't force the quarterback issue. No. I've been saying that again and again and again. And it, no. it, I, I know it, it it has to feel to people like they are because every like we were talking about this week, every single move they've made on the field, off the field, uh, the assistant quarterbacks yeah. coach. Okay. All of this feels like they're just that's it. This is it. Colbert's mm-hmm. last draft. We're gonna we're gonna give Kev the franchise quarterback on his way out the door. And it's just, you know. Well, you how, did, how did that work for Baltimore, though? What was uh, their GM's last move he made? You mean you Ozzie Newsom's? Ozzie's. Yeah. You remember his last draft? It was mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. It was his last first-round pick that he made was Lamar Jackson. If I'm not mistaken, I've been wrong before, but I think that was his gift to Baltimore. It's like, we, I got your quarterback. This is my last session. So the next GM... I think he fell into a good spot. Lamar has been already the NFL MVP. You MVP, can't say yeah. he doesn't scare you every time we play Baltimore. He has his uh, the, he has his deficiencies, but in general, he got them a franchise quarterback to continue on their push and to just stand above the line. And I right. think if this is Kev's last pick, and it is, as he said it, then why not leave him the the the, the quarterback of the future? Also, whether he yeah. works out or not. Then but it that's, goes to the that's next my GM. point here, though, is I don't want to force it. You know, I don't know that Ozzie Newsom forced it. They saw something with Lamar, and, and they said so at the time, where they really wanted they they thought they could bring to the NFL an offense that nobody was using anywhere. And I remember all that bragging and stuff that that, that John Harbaugh and those guys were doing. And you know what? For a year, they were right. Well, you know what? I say this they about Lamar too. Hmm. Uh, Greg Roman also didn't help out Lamar either. I know some some avid Baltimore Ravens fans like, man, get them out. They've been, you know, so mm-hmm. I think if you put them in the right situation, surrounded with the right teachings, you get what they were looking for consistently in a quarterback like that. Yeah, I, I just think when we're looking at the Steelers pick, you almost have to default to Malik Willis. And then after that, whoa, that's available. <laughs> yeah, best available. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Let's see you know, who and what makes it down to that slot uh, when we come back welcome back to the Ramon Foster show it's time for the ever popular hey moan segment and today's comes from Big Daddy who says hey moan how was it blocking for Le'Veon Bell with all his hesitations when running the ball trying to find a hole to get through compared to a running back just going full steam ahead Mm-hmm. This is like the all Le'Veon Bell episode of the Vermont Foster Show. Shout out to Le'Veon, man. We had a great thing in Pittsburgh, man. Wish they got it best. Um, with that being said, in the beginning, it was aggravating. <laughs> I'm being completely honest with you. Highly aggravating. What are you doing? It, just it, hit the hole, just man. Go. How long do you want me to hold this thing? <laughs> dude, even in camp, I, dude, I got Cam over here. Help <laughs> me. <laughs> Come on, man. And I got him over here. Yeah, and we're we're trying to combo block to the next level. And you got running, I mean, you got linebackers running around you because you think he's gone and he's still behind you waiting. And and you know what? And then we got patient with him, you know, to his credit. It's very unique. And we've seen guys trying to emulate him from or imitate him for the 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 longest amount of times and it's only been one guy to effectively do it like that and that's Le'Veon Bell. Uh but it Ooh, came down to teaching. hang on, hang on. Ooh, you're, the, you're you're the Nashville guy. 
before him, Eddie before George. Before Eddie George. Well, yeah. Well, see, okay. I wasn't as versed as far as Eddie's run style. I've always known Eddie okay. just downhill like that. But if you say he was patient like that, oh, I got to go back and watch it. Eddie George. Just he, he, he would do this, do this, do this, and then he'd fall forward for five Didn't yards. That was full. Lev. Yep. <laughs> well, well, Lev's was more like, okay, he kept moving because we kept moving guys too. When, when Munch came in, it made it important for us to combo block. Hey, hip to hip, move him. Uh, and the technique in which he told us how to play with was very much important on how Le'Veon ran. Like, it was to a point to where just hold on to him, hold on to him. And we get frustrated even still, like, dude, just go already. But when 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 you look at the end of the game, he's got 140 yards and two touchdowns, and, and defenders couldn't figure out where he was going to go. That was the beauty in what he was doing. It looked like he wasn't moving, but we were moving the line forward, and he was continuously moving around those guys or playing pickaboo with them to where we get seven yards on a run. We get 12. Like, he never had the breakaway speed. Always got hawked down. He always got caught. But it'd be times in which you Dave would be pulling, he hit the edge, and, and Le'Veon's gone for a good 12 to 20 yards, and that was the beauty of what we did. But the inside zone that we were doing, a double and, and inside power runs, um, initially a headache to kind of deal with because nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to be blocking for that long against and, another 300-pounder. And then a total wrinkle to the script. D'Angelo Williams comes along and joins the football team. <laughs> and D-Will shows up. He's not waiting for anybody. Nobody. Slash runner. He yeah. was He was just, he was doing this mm -hmm. through holes. And he mm -hmm. was hitting them. And then you guys would alternate him. Yeah. Uh, probably it was two series for Lev, one for, one for D-Will. And it was just, he'd come on and he'd present something completely different. And it never stopped impressing me no. that you guys could... Flip your own script like that from series to series. Because we knew who we were getting. We knew with D-Will we had to pop and get quicker to the second level. With Le'Veon, we had to do one, two, three, and then get to the second level because the linebackers were waiting with him. With, with, with D-Will, it was like, it made work. I don't, don't want to say it made work easier, but it made work quicker to where, all right, oh, oh D-Will's in. And we used to say that, hey, D-Will's in. Because you knew the blocking scheme changed on who was going to have uh, help as far as locking down the defender and then getting to the next level. Like, we we legitimately had to be conscious about who was in the game at running back at that point. And then, I just have to throw the, this in as a bonus for my man, Big Daddy, here since he brought up the subject. Then there was that glorious day in Cincinnati where the Pittsburgh Steelers mm -hmm. ran the same play. Again and again and again, just to be jerks, just to stick it to the AFC North rival. And here were the Bengals completely either unable or unwilling to defend this thing. How many in a row were there? I was like four or five before they actually got like a stop. It was to the left side. It was to the left. Black to cat. The Black cat was the call. You could hear in the in the press box at Paul Brown <laughs> Stadium, which is enclosed, so you don't hear fans yeah. like there's a, there's a glass in the front. By the third time you ran it, 
it was just laughter, including from the Cincinnati side, just bursting out laughing like, oh, my God, what are we watching here? They couldn't stop it. Everyone was eight yards, nine yards a pop. Yeah, it was. And they safeties hated it because Le'Veon's a big back and all he do just lower his shoulder. Drake, was it Drake Kirkpatrick just lower his shoulder and boom. And and it was uh, like nobody had envy and jealousy on our line. Like people would say, moan, don't pull. But guess what? The way me and Alejandro blocked and secured the front side so that Dave could run and pull. Like the thing every is, time. If and you support Dave pulling yeah. on every play to his but left. The, he wasn't hitting nobody till maybe the second level. So he had enough time to see who he was gonna hit or he was going safety on the next level. The the beauty of that play and how you gotta craft your line and do what the strong points are is look, Al and I are two big dudes. He's 6'10, 300 plus. I'm 6'6", 300 plus, and our bodies together, along with a good blocking tight end, secured the front side so well. Dave pulled around the edge, and it was like, high safety, Le'Veon, follow me. You know, like that was the, and they could not stop it. Like they started overloading, and we started laughing at them because it was just down, down, and around at that point. Dave actually ran for more yards on that sequence than left it because Dave had to start all the way over at right guard. He did. And it was so funny. Dave Dave would come back to the line like, bro, what the freak are we doing? (laughs) Oh, wow. I want to thank everybody for watching the Ramon Foster Show. And thank everybody even more if you're leaving uh, kind reviews on the yeah. podcasts. On uh, this is available on for those of you who watch the video or podcast, whatever. It's available on either or. But on the podcast, I got to tell you, if you leave a review, it makes a big difference on Apple Podcasts. It really does. We get we get this uh, yeah this this high level of entertainment out to the more people. No doubt about it. We appreciate y'all. We can't say that enough, man. This this is fun doing. That's what everybody. Well, we have some critiques here, but. Mostly everybody said this is a fun show to be a part of. So tell a friend and tell another friend. Let's do it again tomorrow, though.